0: Please turn in the Old Testament to the minor prophet of Jonah. Thank you. As we continue our study in this book, Sinclair Ferguson has a commentary on this book called Man Overboard. It's a clever name. Quite appropriate for this fellow Jonah. Please stand for the reading of God's word this evening. Let's give ear to the word of God. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish. To Tarsus, from the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare and went down into it, and to go with them to Tarsus, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break apart. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten it. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Please be seated. Let's go to God in prayer. Please pray for me as we try to preach this text and pray for yourselves. Likewise, that the Lord would bless this word to us. Pray quietly for a moment, then I'll lead us. Heavenly Father, as the psalmist says, from the depths I have cried to Thee, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. We ask that You would hear us, our God, and that You would give ear to our prayers for Your grace to be upon us at this moment, that we may gather great gems of truth from this book, and that You would use it in our lives for our own thinking biblically and for sanctification Do do ask our God that you would be with me as I preach and be with your people as they hear the word preached. In Christ's name, amen. February the 25th, 1964, a young fighter by the name of Cassius Clay stepped into the ring with a man named Sonny Liston. Clay was favored to lose by a great deal, but he was able to beat Sonny Liston and Cassius Clay, who later became Muhammad Ali. Took the championship boxing, uh, for, of the world at that point. And, uh, November, uh, 26, 1982, there was a boxing match here in Houston with Larry Holmes and a fellow by the name of, um, uh, Tex Cobb, uh, Randall Tex Cobb. And, uh, the beating that he took was so severe that uh, Howard Cosell refused to call boxing matches anymore. And he even made a comment about the referee. He didn't know why the referee didn't stop the fight. Uh, Randall Texcom was beaten so badly in that boxing match. Well, what happened? Well, they were facing opponents that were greater and stronger than they. I may have told you all this before, I can't remember, but I was out in our little breezeway one time, stepping out the gate onto the sidewalk, and a lady came walking down the street with a little chihuahua. chihuahua looked like Frankenstein, had so many stitches in it. That little dog was pestering a German shepherd, did it all the time, but the shepherd finally had enough of this little chihuahua and really chewed that little dog up. I mean, really looked like Frankenstein had some of his head was shaved and had stitches all over it. Well, he was facing a superior foe. In the text and in this story, this man, Jonah, uh, is doing a very, very foolish thing. Willingly going against the revealed will of God to him, the spoken word of God to him. And as he does so... Uh, he is confident that he is safe and he is secure and he is going to get away with it. Well, God will have us as his people come to repentance in one way or another. God will, because he desires for us to be obedient to him, bring us to a point of brokenness and bring us to repentance because he loves us. And he would have us to be obedient to him. He will not put up with our rebellion. Three things tonight to look at very quickly, uh, that our believers' uh, sinful conduct can bring us into a false sense of security, especially if we get away with things. We can have this sense of security that we can do this, and God's not going to do anything about it. Our sinful conduct can also bring disaster into our life. We'll often bring disaster into our life and in the lives of others that's why we should conduct ourselves with purity in the church and caring for one another in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the third thing, that sinful conduct will bring God's intervention in our lives as well. You've heard of those intervention things. You know what, they're like a drug intervention for somebody. Well, God is going to intervene on behalf of his children. Uh, he loves us, and he is not going to let us wander away from him because we have chosen to be rebellious against him. And the first thing is that our sinful conduct can bring us into a sense of security. Uh, Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord, which is a joke. That's just laughable. Jonah was a better theologian, I would think, than that. But he flees from the presence of the Lord. He removed himself from the possibility of being able to obey this command. So he would go as far away as he possibly can go, and the Lord would not be able to get him. Once he is in Tarsus, he is confident of that. And you notice how comfortable Jonah is. He is in the ship sleeping. Uh, he is feeling happy. He is feeling successful. Uh, it may be in his haste to, to run away that Jonah has lacked some sleep, and so now he's catching up on the sleep. The amazing thing to me is when the storm comes, he's still sleeping. Apparently that storm was enough to break the ship apart and it doesn't phase Jonah. He is in such a deep, deep sleep as he's there in the belly of the boat. And it may be that Jonah is thinking he's been most successful in his trying to flee from the Lord and now he is taking a victory nap. He will learn very soon the difference. It also may be that there in the belly of the ship in darkness, he has a sense of being secure from the Lord. And being hidden from the eye of his God, and we all know the foolishness of that. If you look over to Psalm 139, that great psalm which speaks of God's omnipotence and omnipresence, starting in verse seven, "Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I free from your presence?" If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take to the wings of the morning and dwell in the innermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand shall lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me be night, even darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. God sees all things. He knows all things. He saw Jonah in the deep belly of that ship. Though Jonah is in darkness. And so Jonah is thinking he's pulled this off. Uh, he is uh, happy about it. He's feeling good about it. And he has gotten away with it. He's happy. He's feeling good. Well, uh, feelings are not significant for guiding us in what we do. You remember um, James Brown's song, I Feel Good, da 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 Yeah, well, that's how Jonah was feeling. He was feeling good. But feelings, again, are not our guide for what is right and what is wrong. The Bible's full of people who made horrible mistakes going on their feelings, letting their conscience be their God instead of Scripture be their God, as the song from Pinocchio goes. Uh, Ahab wanted Naboth's garden. He desired it. His wife came up with a scheme of how he was able to get it, so he was able to steal Naboth's vineyard. David wanted Bathsheba. And the lust that he had so clouded his thinking, he knew no end except to have her. And then after he, she became pregnant, What alternative was there but to have her husband murdered? Herod wanted his brother's wife. Saul of Tarsus wanted to persecute the church. It felt good to him. He thought he was doing God a favor. He thought he was doing God's work as he went to take Christians in chains back to Jerusalem. All these people acted on their feelings. But the things that they were doing were wicked. Do you think any of them were unhappy about their conduct when they were in the midst of their conduct? I know David was grieved after it was all over with, after he finally came to repentance, as Charles read that this morning, uh, when Nathan went in to speak to him and tell him that parable. But up until that point, you read Psalm 32, David's heart was so hard against the Lord, it was affecting him physically. These people had no remorse when they were in the act of committing these deeds. None whatsoever. Dr. Robertson, Palmer Robertson said this, Do not assume that fickle feelings determine whether or not you are doing the will of God. Feelings can never override principles of Scripture. And yet so often we go on our feelings and what we want rather than being governed by the Scriptures. Well, Jonah's peace was rooted in his rebellion against the Lord. He had gotten his way. The people that he hated were going to die. The people that were the enemies of Israel were going to suffer at the hands of his God because he was not going to go there and preach. <clears throat> the second thing, that uh, our sinful conduct can bring disaster in our lives as well as the lives of others. God was determined to have Jonah go to Nineveh to preach. God was going to get Jonah to obey him one way or another. And so you know what happens here. God hurls a mighty storm against the ship. God brought that cold weather down here. It didn't happen by chance. We read about it in Job the other day, and he talks about the freezing rain and the frost. And the frost goes where he pleases it to go. Well, the storm that came on the sea was there by the will of God the same jesus that spoke and calmed the storm can speak and bring a storm as well so they did not uh uh they were uh, concerned that they were going to lose their ship and all of this coming to them from the hand of god uh, these mariners, uh, the sailing season lasted from May to June. Romans considered sailing after September 15th, doubtful. Sailing after November the 11th was thought to be suicidal because of the changes of the weather and the storms would be coming in. So they're going in a good time of year. These men are responsible sailors. They are in, uh, uh, loaded down with property that belongs to someone else. But this storm comes, and this storm is unique. They realize something's going on. The storm is unique because God sent it. The storm is unique because of the timing of it. It comes when Jonah is in that ship. It's because Jonah was on board of that ship is why that storm came upon those people. And the third thing is unique because of the severity of it. You remember after Jonah tells him, I know you've all read this before after Jonah tells them that the way to get rid of the storm is to throw him overboard. And it says they try all the more to row, to control the ship and to, uh, to, to get uh, out of the storm and they're unable to do it. Because God has his hand in it. And God is not going to stop the storm. It's not a coincidence. It is happening because Jonah is on the boat. So the sailors determined that this comes from God. They have a sense enough to know that there's some deity and that there's some God behind this. So they begin to cry out for help. They were from different regions. So each one has a different God. They all cry out to their own particular God wherever they're from. you got Jehovah's Witnesses. you got the Mormons. you got different people calling out to their gods in different places. you got Buddhist. I'm joking, but whatever they were, they're pagan religions, and they're crying out to their God. And that does absolutely no good. False gods cannot see. False gods cannot hear. False gods cannot help. Charles Spurgeon said, of all the people on that ship that should have been fretting, it would have been Jonah. He said this. Of all the men on the ship, Jonah was the person who ought to be crying out for pity from God and mercy from God. It's his fault that this is happening. And the amazing thing is, this man is a is a prophet. He's an Old Testament prophet. He knows better. And yet he was so filled with hatred, and that's a feeling too, is it not, that he was determined to go against God's revealed will and try to escape and run away. So the pagan captain calls on these people to pray and they pray, but again, nothing happens. Well, finally, the sinful conduct causes God to intervene in life. God exposes Jonah. They have prayed to their gods who could not help, for they are not gods. Listen to what is written in Psalm 115 verses one through eight. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold. Their work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they do not feel. Feet, but they do not walk. And they, would not do, uh, they make no sound in their throats, and those who make them become like them, so all who trust in them. Their gods are not able to do anything to help them, because they are not true gods at all. Well, they cast the lots, as you know, and the lot falls on Jonah. Some, uh, Proverbs sixteen thirty three says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. God is all the time in control of the situation. Jonah is not in control of the situation. All the time, God is in control, and here finally it is exposed that this man Jonah is the reason for the trouble that they are having. And notice this: he is forced to preach to these men on this ship. Uh, They ask him who he is. He says he's a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God who created the heavens and the earth and the dry land. I am his servant. So here he's witnessing to these people after he had given up preaching. He is forced to tell them who he is and that he is the one who is causing the storm. And it's interesting the pagans rebuke him. Why have you done this to us? You see how one man's sin can affect so many others? It's true in the church as well. Why have you done this to us? Why have you brought this misery on us? Why have you not cared for us then bring us into this particular situation? The foolishness of wanting something in our lives that God does not want. The foolishness of thinking that we are somehow going to get something in our lives that God does not want us to have. And somehow and in some way we are going to outmaneuver the Lord. We look at Jonah and we think, what a foolish man he is. Yet every time we sin against God, we are in the same position as Jonah. Every time we break one of God's commandments, we are doing the same thing that Jonah was doing as he was seeking to run away from the Lord. And if you are God's child, and I don't doubt that anybody in here, I think all of you are professing Christians. All of you are believers. God is not going to let you drift away. He's not going to let you wander off. He is going to keep you, and he will have you, and he will not let you go. Well, we can ask ourselves this question, how are we in rebellion against the will of God at this time? We've been going through an awful lot here. I don't just mean Southwest. We can't see one another, but the whole United States, the world has been. And yet God's sovereign over it. Things have not gotten out of control. As God was sovereign over the affairs and the days and the sea during the time of Jonah, so he is sovereign over the germs and the wind and the cold today, as he was back then. So, how do we keep from becoming like Jonah? Well, for one thing, uh, we have to be committed to obedience. It doesn't just happen. Obedience does not just happen, it takes effort. Jesus said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's an action, keeping his commandments. And so we have to bring God's word to bear upon our hearts and minds and give ourselves and commit ourselves to being obedient to the word of God. And we have to trust God in all things. When someone wants to marry another person that's not a believer because it makes them feel good, it's just wrong. And you can't counsel someone to go through with that. I can't. You can't either. But they feel good. They make one another happy. And yet it is a direct violation of the commandments of the Lord. So we have to be committed to being obedient to God and trusting God in all of our life. And he sees everything that we do. But the great thing is, the wonderful thing is, he loves us more than we can ever think or imagine. The Lord loved Jonah. That's why Jonah did not get away with what he was trying to do. That's why the Lord brought him back and dealt with him in such a fashion as he did. So we live our lives in the reality of knowing that God is sovereign over the affairs of our days, that God loves us, and that God will keep us close at hand because he loves us. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you, Lord, for this lesson about Jonah. We would pray, our God, that you would help us to watch ourselves, that we would not be foolish enough to think that we can somehow and in some way go against your will and be successful. And though we may have some success for a time, Lord, we pray that we would not want to be successful at the expense of obedience. Lord, thank you for your church. Thank you for these people. Thank you, O God, for loving us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What's our last hymn?